Welcome, this is Ken Navarro, and this is my podcast for my new CD, Dreaming of Trains. Today is February 6, 2010. Dreaming of Trains will be released March 16th at retail stores and online. In the meantime, if you want to get it before, then you can go to my website, www.kennavarro.com, and you can order it right there. Dreaming of Trains is my 19th CD, and it continues the journey I started with my last CD, The Grace of Summer Light. Dreaming of Trains is really a storytelling CD where each piece is part of a book, or I kind of think of it almost like part of a house, and each piece is a different room in the house. So the music itself that makes up Dreaming of Trains was created out of a desire to come up with a, a, a group of music that created a strong sense of journey and travel, much like we journey through life and the adventure of that, the heartbreak of it, the joy of it, the love of it, combined with a feeling that dreams create. And for me, dreams create a sense of almost like there's this other life. It's real and it isn't real. And the line between the two is very difficult sometimes to define. And so I wanted to put those two sorts of feelings of journey and travel and dreams together and create a body of work that took the listener on a real adventure. The first song on the CD is called Dream So Real. And it's really like an introductory piece that I wanted to use to set the mood. I didn't want the album to really quite start on the first piece. I wanted it to feel like you were having a gateway that led you in. And so Dream So Real provided that gateway. One thing that was interesting on this is something I don't usually do. I actually used a classical vocalist uh, whose name is Ann Sachs uh, on part of Dream So Real to help me get that feeling of the dreams and the sense of travel I've known Anne for 30 years, but we've never worked together, and it was really cool to be able to use her on this and have her voice blend so nicely in with my guitar and the other instruments on the track. Then after Dream So Real, I wanted the album to feel like now it begins. And there's this like whoosh that leads into the next tune, which is called Self Propelled, which has a very driving, clearly travel and clearly the journey has begun. That's what I was going for. One of the things in Self-Propelled that um, 
was a very attractive element to me was Jay Rowe's acoustic piano playing. He really was quite a wonderful interplay with my nylon string guitar melodies, and uh, we spent a lot of time on it. Jay and I really worked on his acoustic piano parts to come up with things that were very much improvised and interacting with me, but at the same time, we really had thought through what was going to give the most dramatic effect to the song as a whole. Because for me, what's always most important is the way the whole composition feels, not any one specific part. Even my guitar parts are not necessarily at the forefront of what I'm most interested in. It's always about the composition, and I think Jay's piano parts really complemented the melody and the composition well. Then by the time we get to the third song, True Stories, it's like now we're into the meat of the, of the album. We're, we're really into the house, so to speak. We're, we're, we're entering a main room. And True Stories has, I believe, 11 different distinct sections. However, if I've done my job right, you don't think about that. It just feels like you're on a very interesting journey that's mysterious and you don't know where it's going to go next, but it always feels right. And um, so this started off very much with, a, with kind of what I'd call a primitive beat section that had a, a lot of drive and really kind of um, made you uh, right off the bat feel like um, what's going to happen. And there was, I felt a certain suspense that that groove created. And then as, as the piece develops, you go through these different sections and there's um, a, a sense of a lot of dr dramatic changes, but maybe more important than anything, I was going for this feeling of what makes my music real? What, what is it about it that is really close to my heart and really tells the story of, of what I think life is all about and what we're all doing on this earth? hence the title True Stories. And so when we get to the main theme, I really wanted it to feel like, like a celebration of life. And, and I hope I got that across. By the end of the composition, things are really um, building uh, 
and finally it releases back to that driving beat we started off with, which then builds up again and hits a final orchestra hit, just kind of like a big exclamation point at the end of True Stories. fourth track is Dreaming of Trains, the title track, and this for me was the pinnacle of the CD, and it was my most challenging piece of music to write, because what I wanted to do here was have a whole series of different sections that held together very well and conveyed a very strong romantic feeling of travel and a journey, and a a journey through life, really. It was really a, a feeling of that that I was going for, but via the sense of being on a train, especially an old-fashioned kind of train where you can feel the rails and you hear the sound of it. And I wanted that kind of um, an emotional reaction uh, that the music would create with, with myself, of course, but also the listener would share that with me. And so these different sections, I wasn't really um, thinking so much about whether or not they were perfectly smooth going from one section to the next. In fact, there were times where I purposely wanted it to make you feel Um, like there was a sudden change, like the train sped up or the train slowed down or something something changed in the journey um, that was not just a smooth transition. Uh, Sometimes that was done with a key change. Sometimes it was done with a tempo change that happened abruptly. So Dreaming of Trains, the, the, the composition goes through all these different sections. It finally gets to this section that's nothing but guitars. It's like six different nylon string guitars. And then these other guitars come in, and eventually there's ten of them. And then Joel Rosenblatt's drums come in. And that leads to the final opening up into what is a big improvised section at the end of the piece that's very jazzy. Um, and allows all the players to interact, but really takes us on the logical conclusion of this journey that Dreaming of Trains, the song is.
The next song is called The Buzz, and the reason for that is uh, there have been a lot of electric guitar players who have influenced me, starting with Eric Clapton and Carlos Santana and Jimi Hendrix. But later in life, as I really got into jazz and classical music and just sort of put all of my different influences together from from the rock and the folk and, and the country, to, you know, combined with, with different kinds of jazz, one of the guitars who influenced me a lot was a guy named Buzzy Featon. He just had an extremely melodic feel, yet such an interesting rhythmic approach. And he always, every note he played, always felt like he heard that note in his head, like he was singing and it was just coming out of his guitar. And um, that's who inspired this song, and so that's why I called it The Buzz. I think it contains some of my best electric guitar playing to date. After the high energy um, and especially the the intense ending of the buzz, I wanted to kind of have a a, a cool down song. Um, so I started to write something that came out of the same feeling as the rest of the record, especially the way I, I piled different guitars on top of each other, to, you know, like, like pieces of a puzzle that then came together to form a really interesting mosaic, a musical mosaic, if, if, if you'll give me that, <laughs> that liberty. Um, and out of that came shared air. Now, one of the things I think is cool about this is the tune begins with these two tremolo guitars that are going, ah, 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 and they're in harmony. And it ends with those two guitars. And if you listen closely, you'll notice that except for one place in the song, those two guitars playing those two notes never stop. They never change notes. They never do anything. And that's why all this other stuff is changing on top of it. And the song is going through a whole lot of different things. So that's kind of an interesting element in this. And, of course, the, the feeling I was trying to get was, was a sense that you were floating. And now the journey was almost more about flying above things very peacefully, looking down. And, and, and those kinds of, again, that dream element is, is, is in there, too. Now, originally, I wrote um, a song that did not appear on the record. It was kind of a smooth jazz-sounding song, and I really liked it. It was a beautiful ballad. But in the end, after I demoed it out, I had to realize that it just didn't work with the whole record. And for me, making an album means exactly that. It's like a book with chapters, or as I said before, it's like a house with different rooms. Um, And when you have something that just isn't part of that story— 
you know, you, you put it away and you pull it out at a later time. And I've got that, I've got that piece put away. There'll be a place for it sometime. Maybe somebody else will record it. Um, but at any rate, I, I came back from a trip to the West Coast and I realized that that song wasn't going to work and I needed to write something else. And I wrote Everything Being is Dancing, which was a, a distinct... Um, goal of trying to write something that started off with just me and Joel Rosenblatt on drums, and then we introduced Tom Kennedy on bass, and eventually the whole piece evolved uh, to a very big, um, glorious ending. But um, it was uh, it started with kind of a question: Can I write something that really thins it down and just is about almost an acoustic trio? Um, before I, I open the piece up and, and fully develop it. And that's where everything being is dancing came from. Stars, the Snow, the Fire was actually the very first piece I wrote for the CD. We moved from our home of 20 years. We moved last year in 2009, and, you know, my studio is in my home. You know, I've spent so much time in that house of 20 years, and we moved about a year ago. And this was the first piece that I wrote after I set up my new studio in my new home. And, uh, I wasn't even so sure that this was good enough for the album, and then, of course, as I lived with it, I realized that, that I was wrong and that it was, it was one of the stronger things on the record. Um, and for those of you who've listened to my music over the years, you know that I don't put the strongest stuff first and weak stuff last. I mean, every song has to be great for me to put it on a record at all, and I always try to end my CDs with some of my strongest music, and I think this is one of the stronger pieces I've ever written. Now, one of the things that distinguishes this um, is that it's in 7-4 time, and the when we get into the solo section of this, it actually goes into 7-4 time swinging, like in like jazz, meaning jazz rhythm swing, and that's a very challenging tempo uh, to improvise in when you're, when you're swinging, um, at least it was for me. But it really came out well here, and in fact, I think this may be some of my best nylon string improvisational work, and the band of Joel Rosenblatt on drums, Tom Kennedy on acoustic bass, uh, Jay Rowe on acoustic piano, they just played so good with me here, and, and they, they made me sound even better than I was, I think, and I, I played pretty well, I think. Uh, but they really rose to this and, and, um, and accompanied me so well.
I wanted to close the album with something that kind of put a bow around it. And I had long, long ago, when I studied piano in music college, I had played three piano pieces, solo piano pieces, that were written by a composer named Eric Satie. He's a French composer who lived in the 19th century. And in fact, he wrote these pieces in the late 19th century, in like 1888, I believe, 1895, somewhere in there, I can't remember. I played them all on solo piano, but I'd always loved one of them. They were called Gymnopodies, one, two, and three. I'd always loved the first one, um, and it just had a special place in my heart. I happened to see a movie shortly after I started writing the music for this new CD, Dreaming of Trains. I saw this movie called Man on Wire that's about a French guy who actually walked between the two World Trade Centers. I mean, he did a tightrope walk across between the two World Trade Centers before they were even open. And th- this, was, this was in the 1970s when they were built. And there was a lot of things that led up to this walk, but when he finally stepped out on the wire, suddenly the, the first gymnopathy started up in the soundtrack on, in the movie, this documentary about him. And I was reminded of this piece and how much I loved it and how incredibly beautiful it was almost because of its simplicity. Um, And so I set about creating an arrangement that I could play just on nylon string guitar with acoustic piano. And so Jay Rowe and I worked it up and we recorded it. This is the Gymnopathy number one, played by two guys who have played together for a long time and we're very faithful to the written notes, but I think we made it our own. And that's how Dreaming of Trains ends, with an affirmative major triad. Uh, I really wanted the record to sound like the journey came to an end, not suddenly or abruptly, but with a certain definition. And the Gymnopathy as a piece did that for me, and that major triad at the end just seemed like the perfect way to slowly let it fade away. Well, thanks for sharing this with me today. I hope you enjoyed listening to me tell you a little bit about how I made Dreaming of Trains, what the music means to me, and I hope you'll check out the entire CD. I believe it to be one of the best things I've ever done. So thanks again. This is Ken Navarro, and you've been listening to the podcast of Dreaming of Trains.